Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7, The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thank you so much uh, for listening. This is a local show, and I'm a local pastor right here at Austin Bluffs and Academy at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope that you're doing well on this Monday afternoon. Thanks so much uh, for listening. Crosswalk Colorado Springs has a few different formats. Sometimes we open it up for questions and prayer requests, so uh, please be thinking of questions and prayer requests. Sometimes we have guests, have a lot of wonderful guests that come onto the show, and then there's other times where I just share uh, some things that are on my heart, and today is one of those days. And so I've recently been uh, teaching through the Gospel of Luke, and we're right at the arrest of Christ, him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane overnight, and then also his trial and his crucifixion. And I've just been reminded how Jesus is a man of sorrows, and he really understands our grief, and he carried our sorrows. So I hope today is an encouragement as we focus on the sorrows of Christ, all that he went through uh, for us. I know many of us, we struggle with, does God love me? And when we look at his suffering upon the cross, it's very evident of how much that Jesus loves us and all that he went through uh, for us on the cross. A book was given to me when I was going through a season of loss and grief in my life called A Grace Disguised by Jerry Sitzer. If you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. But Jerry was in the minivan with his family, got in a horrific car accident, and his mom and his wife and his daughter all passed away. He survived and two of his other children. I mean, could you imagine three generations, you know, the most important women in your life, your mom, your wife, your daughter, all passing away in just one moment. Definitely seems like a a Job type of moment in Jerry's life. And, And Jerry writes this quote, says, I didn't get over the loss of my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life. Like soil receives decaying matter until it becomes part of who I am, sorrow took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. And in his book, he was having a nightmare of of darkness, and he would run away from darkness in this nightmare, and he was sharing it uh, with a family member, and the family member said, there's one other way to get through the darkness, and that's to, to face it, and ultimately there's a sunrise, and And Jerry Sitzer talks a lot about accepting the suffering, the sorrow that God's allowed in our lives, and also responding in faith. And as we turn to the Lord and really allow him to give us comfort, that sorrow doesn't leave us, it becomes part of us, but it also enlarges us. And so today, as we just look at the sufferings of Christ, I I pray that you find comfort in the suffering that we go through in life uh, as well, because rejection's no fun. You know, breakups, 
not getting the job, getting fired. Someone no longer wants to be in relationship with you. And Jesus understands this type of rejection. And we see it in two places with Peter and also uh, with Judas. So this is Luke uh, chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. When you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. This is intense. Jesus calls Peter Simon. Simon was his given name by his parents, and it means sifting sand, a variable going back and forth. But Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means rock. But he knows that Peter's struggling, so he refers to him as Simon. And, and Satan is an opportunist. He's coming against Peter at this time, and he wants to sift him as wheat, cause him to deny the Lord. And, and Jesus knows that Peter is going to betray the Lord, and he's praying for Peter. This can be something easy for us to just pass by. But Satan has to ask for permission. You know, Satan couldn't just uh, sift Peter like we, he had to ask for permission. And we see that in Job as well, where Job was an upright man. Satan comes before the Lord and says, the reason that he is upright is because you've got a hedge of protection. And God actually sets the parameters on what Satan can do in Job's life. And and this may be discouraging disturbing to us, but I find a lot of comfort that Satan's not in control and God is the one that's in control. Jesus even going into his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, he's thinking about others. He's praying for Peter and he's praying specifically for his faith, that his faith wouldn't wouldn't fail. He knows that Peter's going to deny him, but he also knows that he's going to come back says, when you've returned to me, I've got a purpose for you. I want you to strengthen your brethren. So here Jesus is at the very end of his life, and Peter's going to betray him, but yet Jesus is praying for him. I want you to be encouraged in the book of Hebrews. We're told that Jesus ever lives to make intercession uh, for us. So that's an incredible truth that Jesus is uh, praying for us, interceding on our behalf, just like he did uh, with, with Peter. Luke 23 goes on to talk about Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 53. And we're going to talk about that more a little bit later in the show. Uh, so stay with me that, that Jesus would be numbered with his transgressors. And that's a quote from Isaiah chapter 53, that Christ in his death was crucified uh, with uh, criminals. But we see the sorrow of Jesus. And this is what I really want to focus on. Because as we understand the sorrow of Christ, it brings comfort to us. So coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into a temptation. Jesus' custom was to go to the Garden of Gethsemane at the base of the Mount of Olives. And I love this about Jesus' prayer was something that he went to often. It was his path, his pattern, his routine to have fellowship with God to the point where Judas knew 
that he would find Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is what I found in my life is that if I seek the Lord in all times, then it's easier to go to that place of refuge, of fellowship with him when things are difficult. But if I'm not seeking him when times are good, peace times, uh, if you would, it just makes it that much harder when things are difficult. And, and Jesus shares with the disciples, hey, pray lest you fall into a temptation. The Nuggets recently won the NBA championship. That's exciting for us here in uh, Colorado. And a lot of times the best offense is a good defense. You know, the defense really makes it easier for uh, the offense. And it's the same spiritually for us when we're in a place where we're close with the Lord. When we're in that place of fellowship with him, then it's easier to say no to temptation. Have you noticed that? in your life as as you are walking with God, spending time in his word, and you're in prayer, that it's easier to say no to temptation. But the opposite is true as well, is when we're not fellowshipping with God, it's even more difficult to say no to temptation. So Jesus is praying all night in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's specifically asking Peter, James, and John to stay up and pray uh, with him. Fortunately, they, they sleep. Verse 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus lays down his will for the will of the Father. We're talking about Jesus being the man of sorrows, that he's carried our sorrows, that he's able to comfort us in our sorrows. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to head to a break and we'll be right back. So make sure that you stay with me because I think today's show is going to be really important for us as we go through difficulty in our lives that we come to know that Jesus is our comforter. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. We're going to be right back. So stay with me on 100.7 The Word. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Hope that you're doing well and that you're having a great afternoon. I hope that your commute is going well and you're not in too much traffic or maybe you're home for the day. Also want to remind you that today's show does turn into a podcast. Anywhere that you find your podcast, you can find us Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. You know, pain's an interesting thing in our lives and a lot of times we wrestle with why God allows pain in our lives. One of the things that I've found in my life is that pain gives me an opportunity to fellowship with Christ in his suffering. We're currently going through the Gospel of Luke as a church and have just finished teaching up on the betrayal of Christ, the trial of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays this very intense prayer that if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will uh, be done. This gives us an indication of just how intense the trial of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ is, that he would pray that this cup would pass from him. Uh, what does this cup speak of? It's the cup of judgment. There's the physical aspects of the suffering of Christ, which are so uh, intense, his beard being ripped out, him being spit upon, whipped, nailed, crucified to the cross. But then 
There's also the spiritual reality where he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And and Jesus is saying, please, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And this is why it's so important to understand that salvation can only come through Christ alone. Because if the Father would have responded, no, Jesus, you don't have to die on the cross. There's other means for salvation. So when we don't believe that Jesus is the only way, we really undermine the necessity of the cross, of what Christ did for us on the cross. But I want you to hear this. Jesus, the man of sorrows, knows what it's like to lay down his will in obedience to the Father. And maybe you've never heard this before in your Christian life, but God calls us to lay down our will to do his will. Jesus is living out the way that he taught us to pray, not my will, but your will uh, be done. And the Father's will is not always easy. The will of the Father is for Jesus to go to the cross. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So it's not always easy, but it's worthwhile. The Father has, has a great plan. So maybe you have some sorrow in your life right now about doing uh, the will of the Father. Uh, will you surrender your will uh, to do the Father's will, trusting that it's good? Jesus understands that. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. Now, this just blows my mind that Jesus in his humanity and his suffering needed an angel to come and strengthen him. Jesus is all God, but he's also all man. And in his humanity, in this prayer time in the Garden of Gethsemane and thinking about the cross and the agony, the crushing that he is going through, he needs an angel to come and minister to him. Try to picture this from the angel's perspective. The angel has seen and known Christ in all of his glory as the creator of the universe, Jesus speaking everything into existence, seeing the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and just tremendous fellowship together in heaven. But now he's seeing Jesus in his suffering, seeing Jesus in his humanity, and he needs to be strengthened by an angel. Jesus can sympathize with our weakness. He knows what it's like uh, to even be tempted with sin but not give in. And he knows what it is to, to suffer. And being in ang- agony, he prayed more earnestly that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to uh, the ground. This is a medical condition that can take place and persons in so much agony is that they actually start to sweat blood. And, and here Jesus is sweating blood because of the agony that he's going through. When he arose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. So the disciples, on three occasions, Jesus asked that they would stay up and that they would pray. And each time they were sleeping, and the reason they were sleeping was was sorrow. And he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So again, this warning, this encouragement, that prayer actually keeps us and protects us from temptation. As we reflect on today's show about Jesus being the man of sorrows, I want us to think about the betrayal of Judas and the denial of Peter. These are Jesus' closest disciples, his 12 disciples of the multitudes. It was the 12 that followed him and did life with him for a three-year period. And Judas betrays Christ and Peter denies. and. Maybe there's some type of betrayal that you're going through in your life from close quarters. Maybe it's 
from a spouse. You found out that your spouse is cheating on you or there's a divorce that's happening that you didn't want and you have fought for uh, your marriage, but yet your spouse is demanding a divorce or one of your kids have rejected you or you've just gotten fired and you've lost uh, your, your job. Well, Jesus understands all of that betrayal. Maybe there's somebody inside of the body of Christ, a brother or sister in Christ that that has hurt you. Jesus is a man of sorrows. He knows that this kind of pain. So this is verse 47 of Luke 22. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas had to identify Jesus in the garden of uh, Gethsemane. And he identifies them with this greeting, equivalent to a hug to us in our modern day culture. The way they would greet each other, friends would greet each other, was a kiss on a cheek. And Jesus is saying, the one that I embrace is the Christ. And Jesus is saying, Judas, really? Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. We know uh, from John's gospel that Peter, <laughs> John rats him out for all of eternity, that it's, that's Peter that cuts off the high priest's ear. Now, Jesus had just told them to get swords, so it is understandable while Peter would make this mistake. Jesus told them to get a sword, but he didn't tell them to use this sword in this manner. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and elders who had come to him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, You did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. So consider for just a moment, what was this like for for Jesus to be betrayed by Judas? I think a lot of times we think we've got Judas all figured out, that he was this evil character that was so easy to spot. But he was a trusted disciple, even to the point where he was given oversights of the funds that were donated to Jesus. You don't just entrust funds to uh, somebody unless they're trustworthy. I think when we were looking at the disciples, we wouldn't anticipated Judas to betray Christ. And at some point in Judas's heart, uh, he decided that he would give in to his selfish desires. He got 30 pieces of silver for betraying Jesus. And what a terrible exchange that he would get 30 pieces of silver but for that silver, he would have to betray a Christ. And maybe you've had a terrible exchange in your life as well. You've like, man, I've betrayed the Lord, and what did I get in replace of it? But this hurt Jesus. This is one of his closest friends, his closest disciples, and he is turning Jesus over for him to be arrested. So this is my encouragement for you today, and stay with me because the show is going to build is Jesus is a man of sorrows. He's our Savior. He paid the price for our sin, but he also carried our sorrows. And I know you carry sorrows. You carry challenges in your life. And Jesus wants to comfort you. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. Meet us in that suffering. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. 
Stay with me. We'll be right back on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary, local pastor. This is a local show focusing in on Southern Colorado. I want to thank everybody down in Pueblo and also Lamar, Canyon City area for listening, and also all of you here in Colorado uh, Springs. You know, my heart in hosting this show is just to try to serve the community. It gives me a, a neat opportunity uh, to share and to love on Southern Colorado. Today I'm just sharing about Jesus being the man of sorrows and specifically how he experienced betrayal from Judas and also denial uh, from uh, Peter. So I'm reading through Luke chapter 22. This is verse uh, 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. So Peter's struggling here and we can relate. First, he's sleeping when he should be praying. Jesus tells him to pray lest he falls into temptation. And now he's following the Lord at a distance. And this is never a good idea. This leads to more compromise in our lives, more trouble uh, in our lives. When we, when we follow at a distance instead of pressing into our relationship with Christ, maybe we're at church, but we're not really listening. We're not there to worship. We're, we're reading our Bible, but we're not paying attention. Or maybe we just find ourselves where we're a bit more distant from Christ. Now, when they'd kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. So sleeping when he's supposed to be praying, and then he's following at a distance, and and now we see him warming himself at the enemy's fire. And Jerusalem actually gets uh, surprisingly cold. Peter does not need to be here at the enemy's fire. And when we're in a place of compromise, we can start to go to the things of the world to try to receive comfort. But when we stop and think about it, we go, this is not a good place for me to be. So as Peter's there, he gets asked by a servant girl, not a soldier, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you with him? But he denied him saying, woman, I do not know him. (laughs) First denial. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, and he said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. This is an intense moment in the life of Peter and the life of Christ. Is Peter denies the Lord three times, just like Jesus predicted. But in this moment, Jesus then looks over at Peter. They're close enough to be able to make eye contact. And Peter knows exactly what's going on, and he weeps bitterly. Let me ask you this. What kind of look do you think Jesus gave? Was it one of disappointment? Was it one where he's furrowing his eyebrow? 
I don't think so. I think it's a look of compassion and unconditional love because Jesus backs it up. We see Jesus going to the cross and dying for Peter's denial. God loves us. He just demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus will be crucified, be buried, rise again, and seek out Peter to be able to uh, restore him. And Peter is brokenhearted because he knows exactly what has taken place as he has denied the Lord. Aren't you so thankful that we have a Savior that doesn't give up on us? But I also want us to consider, what was this like in the heart of Jesus? You know, this this had to hurt Jesus. And if we're walking through betrayal, if we're walking through uh, denial, hurt, is know that Jesus knows exactly what it's like and what it feels. And this is where I want to jump back now to Isaiah 53, because Luke 22, verse 37, quotes Isaiah 53, that Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah 53 was a prophecy that is so powerful that really depicts Christ suffering upon the cross some 700 years before Christ was crucified. Wow, think about that. That's amazing that there was this pinned from Isaiah the prophet so long before Jesus was crucified. So this is Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This continues to be the question that God asks. Who's believed our report? Who has trusted the work of salvation. This phrase, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord speaks of his strength, of his salvation. Specifically, when it comes to the cross, who has believed the testimony of the cross that Jesus has died for their sins and rose again? And as you're driving down the road, you found this Christian station, you found this podcast. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Is it more than religion or head knowledge? Do you know that you're a sinner and do you believe that Jesus died for you specifically, that he loves you specifically, that he was buried and, and he uh, rose again? So verse two, for he was grown up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. The father witnessed and watched Jesus growing up, saw Jesus being born in Bethlehem, saw Jesus as a refugee in Egypt, saw Jesus in his young years in Nazareth working as a carpenter, saw Jesus at the Temple Mount when he was 12 years old, where Mary and Joseph thought they lost the Son of God. I've always thought that's a bad day of parenting. I think all of us have had a, a bad day of parenting where it's like, I wish I could have a redo on, on that day. How would you like to be responsible for Jesus and have lost him? So they're frantically looking for Christ, find him at the temple, and Jesus says, I'm about my father's business. And how that must have pleased the Lord. The Father witnesses Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist and declares with an audible voice, a voice from heaven that could be heard, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well uh, pleased. And so he watched Jesus grow as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. Speaking of Jesus, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. This is speaking of the physical attributes of Christ, not that he was ugly, but there was nothing about his physical appearance that 
would appeal to us, that we would desire. This is quite the contrast from Israel's first king, Saul. We know he was tall, a head above everyone else. His physical stature was one that you would notice him, but not the case with Christ, even to the point where Judas has to identify who Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane with a kiss on the cheek. It wasn't evident that, oh, this is Christ. He's, he's the real tall, buff one over, over there. He was just a normal man in terms of his physical stature. Not his character, but his physical stature. Now, this is what I want us to focus on, and I hope is a real comfort for you today as you're driving down the road. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Think of some things that you despise. Think of some things that you reject. You know, is there some things in the area of food where you're like, oh, I just, I really can't stand tuna fish, or I really can't stand Brussels sprouts. I've never heard people say, I, I really can't stand ice cream, but you know, you think of something you despise, that you reject, and, and Jesus was despised. He was rejected. Here, all he did is come and love and serve perfectly, but yet he was despised and rejected. And the Bible calls Jesus a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knows sorrow and he knows grief. What are some things that you are acquainted with? What are some things that you know well? Jesus was acquainted with grief. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Stay with me as we continue to look at the sufferings of Christ. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. This is a local show. I'm a local pastor focusing in on Southern Colorado. Thanks so much for listening. I really counted a privilege that you would listen, and it's a joy uh, to be with you and to share God's Word uh, with you. Today I'm just looking at Luke 22 and Isaiah 53 of Jesus being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And I got to tell you, I don't like pain in my life. You know, if I had it my way, I would definitely choose a life of comfort. But what I've found is in pain is it causes me to know Christ's pain in a greater way, to fellowship with him and his suffering. Every suffering provides the opportunity to understand Christ's suffering in a greater way. This is Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. This is the suffering that Christ went through, and yet we reject him. Unfortunately, I rejected Christ growing up. I was raised in an awesome Christian family, and when the doors of the church were open, we were there. But I didn't want anything to do with Christ. I saw the law, the rules, but I didn't see the love and the grace of God. And thankfully, God continued to pursue me in his grace, and he He won my heart. But I know that my life has the unfortunate testimony of rejecting Christ for a season. In verse 4, surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. I want you to hear that. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You know, sometimes someone will say, oh, I know how you feel. And that's really not the case, even if they've gone through something similar. They haven't gone through exactly what we've gone through. But Jesus 
really understands our griefs and our sorrows. You know, think of all of the sorrow that he understands. He understands all of the physical suffering, you know, anything that's going on in our bodies with pain. He experienced pain on on the cross. He understands temptation. He never sinned, but he knows what it is to be tempted. He understands broken relationships. His half-siblings, as Mary and Joseph went on to have kids, rejected him. His hometown rejected him. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. He knows the consequence of sin. He he took on the punishment, the consequences for our, our sin. Another amazing prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah 61 is that he came to heal the brokenhearted. So amazing about Jesus that he paid the price for our sin, but he also carried our sorrows and he wants to heal our broken heart. So how has sorrow and disappointment maybe broken your heart? Is it on the relational end? Is it on the physical end? Is it discouragement, depression that has set in in your heart and your life? Is we have a savior that understands and has carried that sorrow, has carried our grief so that we can come to him for comfort. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now I got to pause on this because God afflicted his son. And we have to understand that. Yes, the chief priests, the elders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they wanted Christ killed. Pilate ultimately gave the order. The, The Roman soldiers carried it out but it was all the plan of the father. The father allowed his son to be stricken, to pay the punishment for sin so that we could be uh, forgiven. Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for, for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So Jesus paid the price for our transgressions. He was bruised, he was wounded, he was beaten. He took on the correction for our sins so that we could have peace with God and peace of God. He turned his back for us so we can be confident that he'll never turn his face from us. Peter quotes this as well in 1 Peter 2, verse 24 and 25. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. By his stripes you are healed. We're sheep that have gone astray. You know, sometimes my son, when he was younger, he would ask me, hey, dad, if you could be any animal, what would you be? And I never said a sheep, you know. It's always, yeah, a lion or a bear or even an elk. They've got awesome, cool antlers. But but sheep, you know, they're, they're these weak creatures that can't take care of themselves, that follow one another. But God calls us sheep and we've gone astray. But Jesus is the shepherd that laid down his life for us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, his all, of us all. Maybe you're wrestling with if you're truly forgiven. If there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the reason that we as believers know that we're forgiven is because of the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ. His blood, his punishment for our sin upon the cross 
is more than adequate, more than enough for us to be able to receive forgiveness. Verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Did you wrestle and struggle with having to be right? You know, especially if you're in the right to prove your point, to defend yourself. And it's amazing, Jesus was right. He was being falsely accused, and ultimately it cost him his life, but he didn't defend himself. He didn't even answer his accusers. He went as a lamb, as silent to the slaughter. That's because Jesus was willingly laying down his life for us. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. This was perfectly fulfilled in the Gospels, in the life of Christ. Jesus' grave was with the wicked. He was killed with two criminals. But in his burial with the rich, Joseph of Arimathea buries Jesus in a tomb that had never been used for the rich. And here it's prophesied some 700 years before the life of Christ. We have just a few minutes left. Uh, Thanks so much uh, for listening. I would encourage you to spend some time in Isaiah 53 and also Luke 22 and 23. I know there's sorrows in my life. I'm sure there's sorrows in your life. There's disappointments. There's ways we've hurt others, ways that people have hurt us. And I want to direct you to the man of sorrows. Isaiah 53 calls Jesus the man of sorrows. He knew what it felt like to be betrayed by Judas, to have Peter deny him. I want to pray specifically for those that are going through suffering today. Father, I thank you for all of our listeners here on 100.7. And I just ask God that you would bring comfort. I know that there's broken relationships and that hurts. Some have experienced betrayal and denial of some of the closest relationships in their life, those that they've loved the most. They didn't do perfectly, but they tried to love, they tried to serve, they tried to lay down their life, but what they got instead was betrayal. And you, Jesus, know what that's like. And so I pray that you would bring comfort. Any pain that's going on in our lives, we bring that pain to you. And we ask that you would heal our hearts. You came to heal the brokenhearted. So would you bless and would you bring comfort and would you bring peace? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're looking unto Jesus, gang. That's where we're fixing our eyes. We're running this race. And before long, we're going to be home with the Lord. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope that you can come back uh, tomorrow from 5 to 6. Just want to remind you, Crosswalk is Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6, right here on 100.7 The Word. I hope that you have a great night, that you know that the Lord loves you. He proved it by sending his son to die for you. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Good night. And treasures that fade are never enough.